welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season five, episode eight, titled Bagman. Uh, Alexis, what did you think of this episode? It was a little dry, but I liked oh, it. God. <laughs> oh, that joke was a little dry. Immediately. And now I'm salty. Oh, just like, just like a button-down shirt in the desert. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Uh, I liked it. I I thought it was very good. Um, it didn't blow my mind. Like it seemed to blow a lot of the internet's mind. I, this episode was really hyped up. And yeah. I think it was kind of unwarranted because all the hype that I saw like coming from the actual people involved in making it was not around like how you know, this is a game changer for the story or these characters are going to have totally different perspectives coming out of this. It was more like this was a really hard episode for us to make mm-hmm. because it involved a lot of stuff. Like the shootout was a significant investment of time and effort. And so I think that got audience expectations a little high. And then I think a lot of people are just trying to look at this episode and go, well, I was told that this is supposed to be a major episode and I I need it to be that somehow. Like, I, I don't feel like the, the reaction is matching the episode, in my opinion, because this is not as exciting to me as, like, last episode, where, mm-hmm. where Jimmy and Kim are getting married. Like, the episode before that, the ending of that was a mind blower, where Kim suggests that they get married. To me, that's the kind of thing that go- makes me go, ooh, wow, this episode was a standout. This episode, not so much to me, but it, it was good. Like, I was definitely involved, like engage with the whole thing is it because we've already seen something very similar in breaking bad i mean yeah that four days out or five days however many days out um i was definitely looking at this episode through that lens Mm -hmm. the whole time um and you know that was a great episode i think this is a very strong episode too but yeah it it was maybe a little bit tainted by that i could see that because I, I kind of kept expecting it to happen. And when they started foreshadowing things where it was like, oh, they're pouring water on shoes and stuff. I I knew what they were going to do already. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't a huge surprise. And I don't really think that this fundamentally changed much. Although I do have some, you know, questions about how characters are going to react. So there's that. Maybe we could talk about that later. I think the things that really changed mostly happened in the beginning third of the episode or quarter of the episode. And the rest is... The Mike and Saul Roadshow. Yeah, which does have consequences. And it does have consequences, we'll but it's them. it's different than what I, I feel like I picked up yeah. in the beginning of the episode. But and I, at this point, I'm starting to wonder, everybody talks about like when is the moment that Saul uh, appeared on screen, right? <laughs> or like when did you turn on Walter White? Mm-hmm. I kind of feel at this point we should start talking about when we lost sympathy for Kim. Because we know who Jimmy is and she knows who Jimmy is Mm -hmm. and she keeps getting herself deeper into this in order to stay with him, in order to please him, whatever she, whatever is driving her to keep this relationship going is at this point, something that we have to talk about seriously. Like you would sit her down and say, why are you doing this, Kim? Yeah, I I can see how. Her thinking with the marriage might have gone because to her, contracts are golden. Mm-hmm. They're the the highest standard of everything. Yeah. She she lives for contracts and that is what a marriage is, is a contract. You are agreeing to these terms together. Mm-hmm. Although, to be fair, he didn't say that he wouldn't work with the cartel. He just said that he no. would tell her everything. Mm-hmm. And and he did. And but she also knows that this is a very bad idea to get involved with a this man jimmy and b the life that he's going to obviously be living you know yeah there were plenty of like the the road to here is strewn with red flags Mm -hmm. absolutely she knows the kind of person he is and this does kind of make me think that she is more that kind of person than we thought she was yeah um it's it's tough to watch because i like him a lot me too uh, the episode, I think, certainly has to change Saul as well. Uh, when you look at him out in the desert, cowering in fear as the cartel is slinging bullets right past him, uh, you have to think, 
hmm, this is a guy who hasn't seen much action. This is a guy who prefers being in parking lots, hawking cell phones. He's uh, been able to talk himself out of most major things before they happen. Yeah. Except for getting beat up at one time, but that hmm. wasn't that wasn't that serious. And this time it didn't work. Nobody cares that you're an avocado. <laughs> avocado, sorry. <laughs> an avocado, yeah. I almost, yeah, I said thank you in Portuguese. That's not, that's not right. <laughs> it's lawyer in Spanish, abogado. Yeah, which we'll talk about that when we get to it because that's pretty hilarious. Uh, there are some really funny things in this episode too, but maybe we should start with the recap. Let's do it. All right, so the cousins show up at a cartel warehouse and load a bunch of money into the bags and someone calls someone else to say he has something for them if they're still interested, <laughs> which we don't really know what's going on at this point. But by the end, I think we we understand. These boys are so shiny, head to toe. <laughs> they sure are. Shiny heads, shiny shirts, shiny suits. It's a good thing they didn't get stuck out in the desert with Mike and yeah. Saul because they would have given, yeah, they would have spotted them They are so miles reflective, away. absolutely. Yeah, what are they going to take their boots off? Walk through the desert with no boots. There's not a prairie hole, a prairie dog <laughs> hole big enough to hide these boys. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that they're cleaning a Cadillac out in the beginning yeah. of this. Like, we know that Saul eventually ends up driving a Cadillac with white leather interior. It's not a convertible, you know. I, I was wondering if this was going to be like, it's sort of a gift from Lalo for the extra, <laughs> you know, the hazard pay or something. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think so because it's convertible. Unless they deconvert it, it's probably not his. Yeah, I think this is just bait. Also, the the casualness of these guys who are cleaning the mm-hmm. car, flicking blood water at each other. That's gross. That's cartel, baby. That, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, this looked like straight like a scene out of Gone in 60 Seconds with all these fancy cars around. And like this is them, you know, bringing them back to the warehouse packing them onto the boat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess these places probably exist. They've got dresses. They've got a lot of fancy chandeliers. They've got a horse statue, probably of uh, an indigenous person being run through or something. I don't know. Uh, it's like uh, it's like the granddaddy of antique restore shops. Yeah. It feels like. Uh, so Lalo instructs Saul how to pick up his bail money. And Saul tries to wriggle out of having to transport the cash. Lalo acts like he's going to let Saul off the hook, which I think he might have been willing to. But Saul is too tempted by the money and he asks for $100,000 to complete the job. Yeah, that's his That's his new his newest huge number that he can't possibly mm-hmm. pay. But of course, he's the fucking cartel. I mean, if he could pay oh, yeah. $7 million to get himself out, then why couldn't he be able to afford 100000 And we saw the stacks and stacks of cash yeah. in the cartel stash house. So, yeah, there, there's a ton of money there. And and Lalo, of course, you know, pretends to mull this over. Hmm, $100,000, a lot of money. You can see it on his face. And then, of course, he just says, yeah, done. Tony Dalton is so good at playing this, this casual... <laughs> bastard basically this this con artist who has climbed his way to the top Mm -hmm. of the family i enjoyed him giggling at the newspaper that was good yeah what's what's that all about i don't even know there was uh there was an article talking about how the the burning down of the los pollos restaurant uh was an arson okay they was it ruled to be an arson because of all the cut up seats and stuff yeah and he was giggling at it because that's Lalo. <laughs> Makes sense. And he said Saul would not get the joke. What do you make of Saul suggesting Nacho for the job and Lalo saying that a guy like that with that much money could do could be real dumb real fast? Does he does he know that Nacho is a flight risk? Hmm. Is also a flight risk. Do you think? I'm not certain. I I was thinking about that. Like, why? Why doesn't he want Nacho to do this? I almost mm-hmm. wonder if it's not that Nacho is worth too much to him right now. Because, like, if he, if anything happens to Nacho on this run, who comes up, who steps up to carry out the operations of, of the Salamanca portion of the cartel's work? 
whoever's better than crazy eight i guess <laughs> <laughs> right yeah well we don't know who that is right. uh you know they'd have to establish a whole new character and it'd be <laughs> you know they could do it but uh yeah i'm i'm thinking it's half like oh nacho's too valuable to lose and if they lose saul who gives a shit right yeah it's a fair point um but also yeah maybe half like well nacho's a criminal um maybe he doesn't totally trust nacho like one hand of poker is not gonna change your complete mind on somebody right right so uh yeah it could be both yeah i was just curious if he was starting to suspect him okay next scene jimmy's taking an evening shower and tells kim that he has some things he's got to do among which is to get the bail money for lalo and kim is horrified by him being a bagman for the cartel appropriately so uh I, I don't know how much more plainly kim can speak to jimmy because i mean when she talks to jimmy she's talking to him like a fifth grader she's saying i don't like this i don't want you to do it like how much more can she stress to jimmy that what he's doing is upsetting her she can't she has said it as clearly as she possibly could She's drawn her line in the sand, mm -hmm. and that is why her face is nearly horrified when he crosses that line to hug her uh -huh. and tell her that he'll be fine because he says he will be. Right. He stopped using contractions a while ago, so he's definitely telling the truth. <laughs> no, it's it, this is the scene where I just go, how much more of this can this relationship take? Like, they just got married. Not even a few days later, Jimmy's already crossing a line. Uh, th it seems like at some point, Soon, very soon, Kim is going to have to just end this thing. As soon as Kim gets home, she is checking the mail and she flops down on the bed to read this letter. And as she is reading it, her face falls. Jimmy just happens to be explaining how deep in the shit he is. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell if her face... I know why her face is falling. I can't tell if she knew what was going on before he said what was going on based on what she had mm -hmm. read in that letter. I have a very strong suspicion, and I'm probably going to be proven wrong, but whatever. I think she might be a CI. I think the first time <laughs> that... Huh. Sorry, yeah, this might be kind of tinfoil, but I think the <laughs> yeah, first time okay. that he told her or intimated to her that he might be involved with the cartel, I think she immediately went to the police. Wow. That... Hmm. That would be crazy if it were true. I kind of want it to be true a little bit because it's so fucking dramatic. I mean, but... it's it's a betrayal on par with everything Jimmy's done. So, yeah, you know, turnabout's fair play. And it's a betrayal that would would protect him ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I think that would and be maybe why her she as would well. do it. Yeah, because like everything I see in this episode is her getting deeper and deeper. Now the cartel knows knows who she is. Uh, she's. <laughs> I don't know. She's defending Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's just going to keep getting more trouble. It's it's going dark places. She also knows Lalo's name mm -hmm. later on, and there's no reason for her to know that. Yeah, they make it pretty clear in this scene that they have talked off screen um, because she uses the name Salamanca in this scene, and Jimmy doesn't bat an eye about it. Like he He's not like, oh, how'd you find out that name? I never told you that name, so... It's pretty obvious they've talked off screen in very specific terms about who this man is, his relationship to the cartel, all those kinds of things. Okay, so we go out to the well where Saul meets with the cousins and picks up the cash, and then the cousins leave, and he starts driving home. Uh, he is unfortunately stopped by a bunch of guys with guns, and they go to take the money and kill Saul, but a sniper opens fire on them, killing them all, and it turns out to be Mike. Like we... Like, we didn't immediately realize when the first shot rang out who that would be. Mm -hmm. the, the guy with the history of sniping on this show. There was no hiding it. No. Uh, there's a lot of stuff they're doing in this scene that I enjoyed. Um, although, like I said, and, you know, this is a lot like Vince Gilligan. And he directed this episode, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, that is a little heavy-handed. A little uh, ham-fisted. Perhaps the, he got the bacon gauntlet out for this one and really drove home the the foreshadowing on using the water to clean his shoes. Um, there is some foreshadowing that maybe is a little more subtle that I liked with the cousins driving up kind of full speed straight at Saul mm -hmm. in the Porsche. Uh, and, you know, that sort of being foreshadowing for the ending of this episode where 
Saul almost gets run over uh, by the guy chasing them. But yeah, it's it's a little much with the water <laughs> on his shoes. I thought it's it it's good for the characterization of Saul because he is in the desert and it's hot, but he still cares enough to rinse the dirt off of his stupid, stupid shoes. His, it would have to be cheap shoes. I mean, those are not fancy looking loafers. Yeah, I'm, I would be shocked if they weren't falling apart by the time he gets out of this place. If he does, oh, yeah. spoiler alert, he does. <laughs> <laughs> we know he does. I mean, obviously, yeah. But I would agree. It is a little heavy handed. I, the... Okay, my point of contention for how heavy-handed this scene is comes in the form of Mike saying that the alternator is shot. Literally. Yeah. That was yeah. a little... <laughs> Come on, Mike. <laughs> you know what else was shot? His coffee mug. That's true. His world's second greatest lawyer again, coffee mug. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I do have other questions. Um, does Saul... So, Chuck, back in season two, maybe, described Jimmy with a law degree as a chimp with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that Saul seems to view Jimmy with a law degree as a chimp with body armor, because he almost seems like if he just says, I'm a lawyer, it's impossible that anything bad is going to happen to him in this scene. Like, that, that's that's his what would have been his final words had Mike not you know taken matters into his hands. He would have just been saying avocado in the desert over and over again, thinking that they somehow wouldn't put a bullet in him because he was a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know if he actually thought that would work or if he was just clinging to the last desperate thing in Spanish that he could say. Yeah, it's just telling that that the last thing he can think of is. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Why are you doing this? I'm a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he views that as some sort of shield from consequences. And in a lot of ways, is, it is in normal life. Right, right. But it's yeah. also giving him a license to do worse and worse things constantly because he doesn't feel like there are going to be consequences for his actions. So he can law his way out of everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if he can't law his way out, he can, you know, con his way con out. Con his way out, or I don't know. Uh, guilt or sympathy his way out like, <laughs> mm-hmm. make people feel bad for him it's give a big puppy dog eyes yeah. yeah he has a lot of tricks in his bag but none of them are working here nope so the bigger question i guess is why would gus send mike in to protect lala's money his bail money specifically my first thought on this is that gus probably wants lalo out of prison so that he will run across, he'll tuck tail and run to Mexico now that the heat is really on him, right? Mm-hmm. Like if he if he makes bail here, he's he's on a timer. He's on a clock at the very least um, because then he's eventually got a trial he's got to go to, right? And he's almost certainly going to be convicted of this murder, um, I would think, but maybe not, maybe not. Maybe he could, you know, actually go to trial and win it with an underhanded lawyer like Saul, but my my guess is he wants Lalo to get bail, skip town back to Mexico, and freeing up Gus to uh, continue running his operation without interference. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but I don't I don't know if I, I think Lalo might be aware of that on some level. Although he does say to Saul in this episode something about the people still want him in prison. He but he's been he running the, the whole show from prison anyway. It's not like prison right. has changed anything as far as the Salamanca operations go. I mean, look at what's happened while Lala's in prison. The chicken joint has been burned down, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Gus definitely doesn't doesn't really want him out of prison, but I think he wants him out of prison long enough for Lalo to get out of town. Yeah, I can see that. Also, he might be easier... It might be easier for him to have an accident that is not connected to Gus once he is back in Mexico. Sure. Yeah. Um, or once he's out, you know, you could see like a rival gang in New Mexico being blamed or something. But if you just say, well, we sent a bunch of guys in prison to go kill him, mm-hmm. who would have incentive to do that? It's probably Gus. Fair. 
So then we move over to Mike and Saul driving back to the ABQ, but the car breaks down because they decided to take the shittiest steam. <laughs> well, because Saul decided to take his shittiest steam into the desert, yeah. which starts barely starts on the best of days. Mm-hmm. In the 100 plus degree heat of the desert, you really think this shitty car is going to make it? We have never seen this man take this car to a mechanic. So God no. only knows what other problems were lurking beneath the surface. There's something off about the gas cap, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> uh, Mike grabs that up and then he shoves Saul's car off a cliff and they get off the road and begin walking through the desert where they, they stop under a tree. Uh, Saul wants to leave the money there because they're the bags are very heavy. But the guy that got away is still looking for them and he'd never be able to find that money again. Uh, yeah, so question about that gas cap thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does Mike grab it? Does he do so because he doesn't want the cops to find it? Does he do so, uh, which, I spoiler alert, I think this is the answer here, so that Gus can find him and pick him up? Yeah, that would be my thinking. Yeah. If it were tagged. We didn't actually see him open it up. We don't know that it is tagged, but it seems crazy that it wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I mean, Gus... So Mike's familiar with, you know, the systems that they use, but also now he's working for Gus, right? So mm-hmm. I would think that Gus would have told him, yeah, we got a we got a tag on Mike or on Saul, so pick that thing up. Yeah. Um but I mean at this point, Saul doesn't have a car. And we know he gets Cadillac at some point, and he's maybe, maybe, I don't know. It depends on how well uh Lalo rewards incompetence, but he might have a hundred thousand dollars in his pocket. I could see Saul going and spending half of that on a brand new Cadillac. Especially if his wife breaks up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some some love life crisis oh, sort yeah, of absolutely. response. I wonder if Saul would have been in as bad of shape as he is later on if Mike had just spelled him on one of the bags periodically. <laughs> Look, Mike's 112 years old. He's still, look, he has one empty shoulder. I don't care how old he is. He has one empty shoulder that he could carry money with. Yeah, but I think, I don't know. His bones are basically dust at this point. <laughs> I don't know that I want this old man carrying a 75-pound bag of money. Just saying, maybe I wouldn't have had to see Bob Odenkirk be such a fucking baby later. Yeah, it is pretty funny. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I did too. Uh, so later that night, they set up camp and Saul reveals to Mike that he told Kim what he's up to. Mike's worried that she'll tell someone when he doesn't come home. Uh, Saul, Saul doesn't think she will. And Mike pulls out this space blanket, but Saul refuses to use it, which I absolutely love. I think, you know, it's just showing the remnants of Chuck uh, rattling around in Saul's head. Absolutely. He's, he vehemently does not want a Mylar cheat. Yeah. on his skin um mike says a lot of borderline sexist stuff i think yeah he's, a, he's an Kim. old cop he's, yeah i know that's, it's just that's mike yeah the fucking the book club really <laughs> it's her mom really i don't uh-huh. have either of those things i'm a woman what the hell i'm a married <laughs> woman even yep i don't know i rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> Sorry. I feel you. You know, Mike is not the most PC character in the world. Oh, no, of course not. I wouldn't expect him to be. He is a a grandpa, after all. Yeah. There is no PC grandpa. A retired cop. Those those people tend to have a certain perspective on the world. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Remarkably similar to Lalo's. Next up, Kim goes to the jail to ask Lalo what happened to Saul. And she explains that she's his wife. And Lalo tells her not to worry because Saul's a survivor, you know, (laughs) like a cockroach. (laughs) Like a cucaracha, which... I just love the Spanish word for cockroach. It's fun. It's such a fun word to say. There's a whole song devoted to the cockroach. There is. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm worried that Kim got herself in real, real deep here. I can understand her reasoning for doing this, but also now they know. B- borderline. I borderline understand her. <laughs> her like, okay. Yes, your husband has been potentially murdered and or kidnapped by the cartel. (sighs) But he's a bad husband. (laughs) And he's only just your husband. What are you saying? That she just she just cut her losses? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. At this point, I should have at least waited a day. I think Lalo's right about that. He is. Was this the same day? 
Was this like she got home from work, Jimmy wasn't there, and she went over to see him? No, I think it was the next morning. Oh, he right, because they wait in the desert for a night, yeah. Yeah, and he says, so he didn't come home last night or something like that. Okay. In case you didn't know and didn't look it up, what Lalo said in Spanish there, he said, a blonde, good for him. Okay. Why? I I don't know. Because... Lalo's a fan of blondes, I guess. I, who isn't? Let's be real. I mean, I'm more of a fan of dark-haired women, but... Points for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a lot of body language stuff in this scene that was just very dismissive slash kind of trying to be intimidating, mm-hmm. which yeah. isn't surprising. That's his thing. Oh, I mean, that's his go-to with everybody. And, you know, he doesn't know Kim from Adam, so. I don't even know that he completely believes her story. Mm-hmm. Like, just because she knows who he is, again, she she could just be some person that the cops hired to come in. She could be a cop herself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the fact that she knows who he is, I think, helps. But, yeah. But also, but in also a weird way, hurts. doesn't. Yeah. Because yeah. he's surprised that Saul said anything. Yeah. To, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. And then we go back out to the desert where... Mike doesn't make much water, but Saul makes a lot of water right into his bottle uh, to save it for later. And they continue their forever walk under the hot desert sun. They stop to drink a cap full of water um, and they continue on with Jimmy deciding to drag the money bags behind them. This is a uh, turning point in the episode. A fatal mistake, if you will. Dragging instead of carrying? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, Jimmy was ready to lie lie down and die at the end of this, so. (laughs) Fair. I mean, I guess past a certain point when you've been carrying something on your shoulders for so long, just a different kind of pain is probably a relief. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Just using different muscles. Uh, I've never actually been able to remember the difference in spelling between desert and dessert, and this show is going to change that. I've, I've had to type desert so many times oh, in, I this, see. in this outline. Gotcha. <laughs> that I now will forever remember desert 1S, desert 2. Hmm. So I guess thanks, Better Call Saul. Thanks, Vince hey. Gilligan. Thanks, Peter Gould. <laughs> thanks to all the writers for putting them out in the desert because now I remember this finally. Well, good. I'm glad that it was this that really cemented the knowledge in your brain. <laughs> I always knew the difference, but... I'm well, special. Some of us have mental problems. Hey, I have mental problems too, just <laughs> oh. different ones. Hey, how dare you suggest I don't have <laughs> mental problems? <laughs> Sir. Uh, so, of course, of course, of course, the money bag spring a leak. Um, and so does Saul's toe when he catches it on a cactus. Ugh. He wants to give up and die, but Mike tells him that he can't give up because he needs to continue providing for Stacy and Kaylee and sort of insinuates, surely you have someone. You who just, might actually care about you, you right? You just told me you had someone last night, yeah, don't you remember? told me I had a wife, not the wife cared about him. Uh, so the guy who's looking for them shows up again. So Saul grabs the space blanket and uses it to get his attention, hoping that Mike can kill the guy and they can steal his car. And it works, but the car is completely destroyed in the process. And Saul decides to drink his own piss and then they continue walking. His dude brew, his Uh him water. I half expected at the end of this episode for him to just be chugging that bottle of piss (laughs) and then for Gus to roll up having tracked them with the gas cap and and saving the day and him having drank his piss for no damn reason. That would have been perfect. Which would have been great. I do, however, love like (laughs) they're really developing the character of Saul. All of these stories that Saul has told about like uh, my ex, my ex, why I caught my second ex-wife sleeping with my stepdad and like all this crazy shit that we're now finding out is totally true to kind of stack. Uh, there, I, I once drank my own piss in the desert <laughs> <laughs> on top of that is such a good, such a good layering of, of just hilarity and patheticness and sadness, I, all of it. So I had good. to I had to use my silk tie as a water bottle strap. Mm-hmm. I used my Tavis and Maine water bottle for pee. <laughs> my pee pee bottle. 
It's so good. It's very good. There are a lot of just so many little details in this Uh episode, which are not interesting to recount on a podcast, I would say, but were beautifully executed and so much fun. Even the cactus thing. I This fucking idiot. Yeah, you're you're watching him reach into it thinking, ooh, watch your fingers. (laughs) Yeah. And he successfully plucks it and you're like, oh, and then yeah, his toe. Also, I must say the most sprightly that he moves in this episode is when he's chasing down those loose bills. (laughs) He moves very quickly. That is so Saul. And also him dragging this money through the desert is very Saul. It's Mm -hmm. It's an anecdote or not an anecdote, a metaphor for something. Yeah. A metaphor for a greedy man. His whole fucking life. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Mike's little speech here? Because, like, we we know. And that's why, like, this isn't super mind-blowing or revelatory for me, because we know. We know all of this stuff about Mike, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's nice to hear him say it aloud to another human being, but also <laughs> I don't really know that he needed that moment. Um, it doesn't change my perspective on Mike at all. It... This episode maybe slightly adjusts my perspective on Saul, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, certainly not. You know, in episodes like the one where he starts throwing bowling balls on Howard's car, or like you know, chicanery things like that. Those are like mind blowing episodes, in my opinion. But this is kind of what I would expect from these characters. It is nice to see Mike get his own kind of dramatic moment. He doesn't get a lot of those emotional moments because he's just not very emotional other than angry. He's mad. We know that, but we don't get to see him actually feeling things for his family. (laughs) Yeah, like there's the moment where he shouts at Kaylee um, Mm -hmm. and and you sort of go, wow, uh, that was that that betrayed, you know, so much about what he's feeling and thinking in the moment. Yeah, it's a still waters run deep kind of thing. I agree that it was not super necessary and didn't change what I know about that character at all. The yeah, only but enjoyable to watch. Certainly. Enjoyable to watch, certainly. He he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. He had me believe in him. The yeah. only character I feel like I had any change in heart around was Kim in this mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. You're not change in heart, but I feel like I know more about her now. Mm-hmm. What what do you think this meant to to Saul? I mean, he's obviously got to be thinking about Kim in those moments, right? Um, and when he gets up off the the dirt mm-hmm. and goes out into and, and kind of just you know concocts this plan, and I don't know why Mike didn't think of this earlier to try and shoot this guy and take his car, um, but you know Saul concocts the plan and sort of just gives Mike the nod, and Mike springs into action. He he was on the verge of giving up. He he was ready to just lay down in the desert and die until Mike gave this speech to him about you know surely you have somebody who cares about you essentially is what he's saying. Um, that's why I continue on. And I mean Jimmy's got to be thinking about Kim in this scene, which is why he gets up and, and even... goes and does his thing. He's either going to die here, uh, you know, cowering in the dirt, uh, trying to avoid this guy who wants to kill him. Or he's going to get up and try and fight back and maybe see Kim again. I don't even know that he is thinking about Kim in this scene. I think this goes. This is going all the way back to his ego again. <laughs> Mike is saying, look hmm. at me. I'm the oldest man on the planet and I am doing okay and I, am, I have reasons to keep going. I am virtuous in this very specific way where I mm-hmm. will do everything I can for my family and I can die knowing that I did that. I think Saul is thinking more. I this this can't be happening. This dynamic sucks. I'm better than this. I don't know that he is thinking about Kim that much, but wow, that might just be my cynicism peeking through. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely looking for like the big change, the big shift, right? Because like, right. I could see a Saul who goes out to the desert and has this experience, and then comes back with a new focus on the relationship. Um, and I could also see simultaneously that not working because Kim has a new detachment from the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it would be sort of delicious, those sort of role reversals here. Um, but yeah, I guess I could also see Jimmy just deciding, like, this is not how I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> I've got $7 million. <laughs> I've got more money than I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you, you think back to like the... 
what he did with the what was it the Wasserman the Wesselman the Kessler Kesselmans yes Kesslers uh huh mm-hmm. shit I can't think of their name no it's all of in that. season one they have four names yeah uh, the Luftwaffens <laughs> oh. yeah well we'll get to that email later uh, and and they had one point six million dollars right and he's got mm-hmm. it in a bag and he's thinking God I could skip town with this it would be so easy I could just go on the run and I'd never have to work again. Here he's got, you know, five times that. So the the temptation, I, I don't think it's a temptation to steal this money, but I think it is like a driver. Like, look at the spoils here. If I can just get off the ground, if I can just make it out into the street and Mike can do his job, we might get out of this and I might I might be rich eventually. Right. So, yeah, I could, I could definitely see him thinking that. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's thinking of Kim in this moment after this big pep talk from Mike. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Oh, <laughs> your face when you said that is so dejected. It's very sweet. I, like it. I don't want Saul to be that bad, but I know he's going to be that bad. Yeah, I don't want him to be that bad either. I'm just saying I think he is, mm-hmm. is the problem. Yeah, I, I like to think he drinks his own piss because he loves Kim, <laughs> not because he loves money. Not because he loves himself or hates himself and loves himself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Bad news. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. Well, some people aren't the joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. All right, let's get into feedback. If you would like to send in your feedback for next week's consideration, you can do so at bettercallsaul at baldmove.com. That's the email address. Um, the first email this week is from Jamie. She has a quick question. He, she, I don't know. Jamie's Jamie's ambiguous. Uh, Quick question, which you may have had before. Could you see Tony Dalton, who plays Lalo Salamanca, in the role of Oberyn Martell? And Jamie is, of course, speaking of the Game of Thrones character. Mm -hmm. Or or vice versa, could you see Pedro Pascal, who plays Oberyn, playing the role of Lalo Salamanca? There is a physicality to Tony Dalton that I... That definitely lends itself to the character of Lalo. I feel like he has to have more more weight to him, mm-hmm. both physically and just the way he positions his body, where Pedro Pascal Pascal feels more like a more roguish, but not a murderer in that way. Okay. Although I guess Oberyn Martella is also a murderer. He is also a murderer. I, don't know, I just I want I want Tony Dalton in both roles. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing uh, Oberyn as anyone other than Pedro Pascal because there's something there, there's something in Tony Dalton who, that's just a little too fun, a little too playful. I Yeah. Oberyn Martell was, was playful in dialogue but not in attitude. Yeah. Whereas Tony Dalton's portrayal of, of uh, Lalo here is more playful in attitude. And it's it's... I, I think he could probably pull it off. I mean, he's an actor, mm-hmm. for God's sake. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think like you could take Lalo from this show and put him <laughs> into Game of Thrones and switch them around, and they would work. I don't know. I think there is a there's a darkness behind the stuff that Lalo mm-hmm. does because that the playfulness is a little bit real, but it's also a veneer over the the yeah. the brooding planning calculating kind of character so yeah. if he if he pulled more 
of that forward. Mm -hmm. If he were as brooding as he were playful currently, maybe he could be a good overrun. Okay. But you're right. Pedro is perfect. Oh, yeah. Don't change them. <laughs> Casting. Don't go back and remake Game of Thrones without <laughs> Pedro Pascal. Casting people are paid to do that job for a reason. They know what they're doing. All right, let's see if Jane knows what she's doing next up. He, I don't know, ambiguous. We're going to call all these names ambiguous. <laughs> they, just they. they. All right, they write in and say, I don't know if you've covered this before, but do you think there's any significance to the fact that Dr Gus's drug front is a fast food chain of all things? Not totally unlike meth. It's cheap, accessible, bad for you, and taking a major toll nationwide on the well-being of low-income people and in turn the healthcare system. Is the Villa gang making some kind of low-key statement here, or am I overthinking it? One, how dare you? Chicken is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Two, no, I could also totally see that. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I, If I know the Villa gang, I would say that they just thought it was funny that this meth kingpin would run a chicken shack. This just really silly chicken shack. Like, you know, most meth kingpins are are chopping people's heads off and he's chopping chicken heads off right like <laughs> they, they just saw like probably some of the similarities maybe some of the ones you mentioned um it being cheap and sort of bad for you and uh but yeah i would think more it was just oh it'd be funny if this you know really well-off guy was just running a chicken shack there are several details in breaking bad that lean toward the the ridiculous on purpose, mm -hmm. like oh, seeing yeah. Walter White and his his Walter Whiteys, his mm -hmm. his tidy Whiteys, yep. his tidy Walter Whiteys. I'll I'll get there someday. Uh, other things, blood. Tubs. I mean Jesse. Jesse, Just all Jesse, of Jesse as a human being in the first three seasons, <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely like to have fun, and that's probably one one bit of it. Uh, you know what's not fun. Luftwaffe. Mm. Let's talk about it. Fabian writes in, wants to be our official German uh, advisor for German-related matters and concerns. And I think he can be. Uh, he, he wrote in a Bible. I'm going to paraphrase some of it and then read some more interesting details. Um, he agreed with us that a brand name like Luftwaffe would never work in Germany. It would be considered uh, at least vulgar, if not revisionist. And that brings him to the next point he wanted to make, which I found interesting. Uh that um, when you look at Gustavo Fring, Fring is a German last name. And as we've pointed out, the showrunners pay a lot of attention to details. So he's convinced that they picked a German last name to give Fring a special background. Since the mid 1800s, many Germans have migrated to Chile. Uh, I'm going to say it like that the entire time so get used to it. So there still exists a minority of about 500,000 Chileno Alemanes is how I'm going to say that. Let me look at that word. Yeah, you got it. You, All right. You struggled to get there, but you got it. During the Nazi time, thousands of refugees fled to Chile, only to be followed by as many followers as Hitler after the war. At the beginning of the 1960s, uh, lay preacher Paul Schaffer, uh, lay preacher. I don't know what a lay preacher is. Do you? I know what a layman is, and a, I can extrapolate from like there. A preacher who's not professional preacher. It's like a guy who goes around carrying a literal soapbox and standing on it and shouting at people in the streets. I mean, somebody, maybe somebody who hasn't been officially designated a preacher. Okay. Uh, yeah, his name is Paul Schaffer. He emigrated to Chile with around 200 cult followers and founded the Colonia Dignidad at Peral, in which there were numerous violations of human rights. I could see Fring growing up in one of these communities, maybe as an adopted or abducted child in Colonia Dignidad or in a... You can't be saying that right. Dignidad? No, man. you That's a hard G Dig. in Spanish. Dignidad. 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 Dignidad, or probably. A, or a Dignidad. Your or, mom's a Dignidad. <laughs> or a died-in-the-wool Nazi family. I'm very curious when and if we will ever hear more about his past, but that is part of the fun, isn't it? Still uh, got to hear about Santiago. Yes, yeah, um, and and that was interesting to me to find out. And I think you actually mentioned this. I can't remember if you mentioned it on the podcast or to me afterward. Um, that yeah, there were a lot of actual immigrants, German immigrants in Chile after mm -hmm. the war. 
um which you know you're talking about this guy named uh peter shit <laughs> Schuler. um Schuler. peter Schuler. that's definitely a german last name he's definitely a german he speaks german um and we know that he had a relationship a very intimate relationship with gus and helped him out so yeah i'm super curious to see what that background is and i do hope we get more of it me too next up vince they say, what do you think of that idea that Kim is killed by the cartel, possibly as a retribution for something Saul does or fails to do? Thought about this after last week's episode. Would still play into the idea that Gene picks Omaha for a reason. If Kim is from Nebraska, she would be buried there as well. I know this is extreme, but was curious as to your thoughts. Do you have any thoughts on Kim potentially getting offed? I think the thing that you have to consider with this universe of shows in particular is what would be the worst thing to happen <laughs> and i don't know that her dying would actually be the worst thing mm, okay. so for for saul for jimmy right for everyone yeah but specifically for the tortured main character yes yeah uh and he's already had one death that he's failed to deal with mm -hmm. uh appropriately or in any healthy fashion and so i feel like if you tack on another death it's somehow he's already desensitized to that kind of trauma. Hmm. Um, he knows how to put up shields to that kind of trauma and just sort of ignore that pain. Whereas he might not be able to ignore so successfully the pain of Kim choosing to leave him. Yeah. I, I really think that's where it's headed. I think Kim is going to have to leave um, and she's got to make that choice. I, I, I could see definitely the cartel getting more involved here, especially after this week's episode. Um, and maybe Saul trying to make a sacrifice for her to get her out of that life. Um, but at some point, this relationship has got to break. I really don't believe they're together in Better Call or in Breaking Bad. It just, it, she's never mentioned, she's never even hinted at, and this relationship is just going nowhere good. Absolutely. She's drawn her line in the sand at the very beginning of this episode. Mm -hmm. And it, Boy, does he cross it. He crosses a couple lines. Yeah. Uh, country lines? What do you call that? Borders. That's what they're called. Borders. Crosses a line, crosses a border. Also, I, are you are you really going to want to kiss a mouthful of piss? I know my answer to that, but maybe I'm not as kinky as other people. <laughs> I don't know that Kim gets down that way. Doesn't seem like the type, but who knows? <laughs> All right, Maria is up next. Uh, Maria writes in... To say, ask the question about, you know, what we think is going to happen with Kim, which we just sort of talked about. So uh, they got one other question here, which is also, how do you think they're going to get out of the desert? I like your idea that Gus is going to track them down with the cap. The, the gas, gas cap. cap. Yeah. I know, I know you have to be in range of a few miles um, for those things to work. So, mm, that's but, true. but on the other hand, Mike was sent out here by Gus. There's yeah. no way Mike is doing this on his own. So Gus would know about how long it would take. He'd know where Mike is roughly in a few mm -hmm. miles uh, radius, especially now that they're back on the main road. I think that they're going to be able to pretty quickly get picked up by Gus. At the very least, they'll get within cell service soon. Now, when I say picked up by Gus, I don't mean uh, Gus is going to drive up in a black SUV. <laughs> And say, get in the car. It's, it's not going to happen because uh, we know that Saul has never met Gus. He just knows a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. So um, Victor will mm -hmm. probably pull up uh, to, to pick them up or Tyrus, one of the two. Yeah, that would be my thought. And we know, by the way, that they are in New Mexico already. Yeah. Because of the filter. Oh, yeah. You were talking about the color filters they use to denote Mexico versus. Yeah, at the well. They had the straw filter on, but then pretty much every scene after that, they haven't. So yeah. they're in, I believe, the leg of New Mexico, which is Hidalgo County. Hmm. Okay. New Mexico is a big square, except for one little bit. It's like a little stumpy leg. Mm -hmm. I think they're in the leg bit. Did you find the well? I did not find the well, <laughs> no, but I found the state road and all that stuff. There might be a lot of dollar bills out there just sort of strewn across oh, the desert. What are we doing? Bills. We gotta go. <laughs> All right. Well, we got one more In email this before we can go. Uh, it's from David. 
It says, I had a few things I was curious about that might make for good discussion. When Saul put on the space blanket and acted as bait, why didn't he run for cover in the rocks to lure the driver out of the Bronco? Mike could have shot the driver after he parked the vehicle, and then Mike and Saul could have drove home. Uh, my guess on that is he just didn't think of it. Like, this is a man who's severely dehydrated, who's on death's door, he was and just, is just desperate. He was desperate. just screaming about how done he was. I'm done! Yeah. Done! Mood. Yeah. Big mood. So, I, I really don't think he had it in his brain what he was going to do here, other than attract the attention of this guy, and Mike's going to shoot him. Also, it's way better for them to have this disappointment on top of all the other disappointments they've had that day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, David continues, also any ideas on who these hijackers were and who would have leaked the information about the meeting? We don't know much about any rival gangs other than the Salamancas and Fring's group. Are we going to get introduced to a new group of bad guys nearing the end of the series, a la Team Panzer Grey or the neo-Nazis in Breaking Bad? Uh, that's a good question. I So we see the guy inside the cartel's operations calling somebody at the beginning mm -hmm. of this episode. But we don't know who he called. Right. So this could be a rival gang. This could be element like a faction within the cartel that has been, you know, sort of champing at the bit to to take Eladio down. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or or this. I don't know. Maybe this is coming directly from Eladio. I don't really know. Maybe. I mean, Lalo made a point to mention that he has a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. So I would believe. I would be willing to believe that it's another faction within yeah. the cartel that maybe wants to, because Don Hector is out of commission, basically. Lalo is in North America. They they mm -hmm. maybe have heard that he's in prison. Yeah. So maybe they they're thinking that this is their time. Yeah. Smell the blood in the water. Yeah. Sharks. All of them. For sure. Desert um, sharks. And finally, was Lalo really going to let Saul go without picking up the money? He seemed way too nonchalant about letting Saul walk away. With all Saul knows, I assumed if he really does turn down Lalo, he's a dead man. I don't know. Um, you're probably right. I I think this was a moment where maybe Saul dodged a bullet by turning around and demanding $100,000. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised by his nonchalance as well. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll call you. If I need anything, I'll call I you. think it might have been a ploy because yeah. Saul had already basically done this little song and dance once before, yeah. but ended up naming a price anyway. That's I think he was just trying to get him to name his price. Like, all right, yeah, we'll see. Uh -huh. See how not money hungry you are, you fuck. Yeah, uh, could be. And maybe if maybe if he gets out of that room, Lala gives him what a day, two days to change his mind, <laughs> two maybe. days to come back with an offer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Lal's probably getting impatient sitting in jail while he knows the money is out there to be picked up to get him out. Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's it for the episode, uh, this week's podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, going to be back next week. Yep. Uh, only two more episodes left in this season. And I hear, don't get too hyped because <laughs> people got way hyped on this episode. Yeah. But I hear that they're going to be real, real good. So I, I'm super excited for the end of the season. I'm waiting for the fallout of all of this to see how Kim and Jimmy's relationship is affected, to see that, where Kim and the cartel's relationship goes now, all that kind of stuff. Super been excited. pushing and pushing and pushing this entire season and kind of the season before this too, just twisting the screws. Yeah. Something's got to give. And when it does, it will do so, I would hope, spectacularly. So I'm also quite <laughs> excited. So. Yeah, this show is spectacular from time to time. It's a slow so. burn, but when you get to it, boy, yeah. it's good. All right, that's it for this week. Until next week, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And see you then. Bye.